Hi, listeners. We are back for another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. And uh, this, for me, is a treat today. We have with us Travis Dahmert, who's the Senior VP of Talent here at One Digital. And you'll find out very quickly, Travis is a very thoughtful guy. He's a thinker, and he's always thinking about how to make organizations better uh, by, by developing talent. Uh, and hence his title of Senior VP of Talent. So uh, I've heard Travis speak many times. He's he's engaging, as I said, thoughtful. And this is going to be a great conversation for you to uh, pour a cup of coffee and pay attention to. So without further ado, here we go. Uh, Travis, l- let's start with you explaining a little bit about what your role is at One Digital, your background, and what exactly are you charged with doing here? Oh, Jeff, you're you're going to reveal too much, I think, if you if you know my background and my role. But I'll I'll share it. Uh, so my role is to lead talent, um, and that is working in our corporate team, responsible for three parts of people and culture. And one is finding people. Uh, two is helping them be successful when they get here. Um, the other one, which actually are related, but that's uh, talent acquisition, talent management, and then the third pillar is learning and development. But those aren't things I went to school for. Like those aren't the things I grew up doing. I couldn't have dreamed I'd have this job. But um, I had a mechanical engineering undergrad. I did consulting, frankly, because I just didn't know what my thing was in life, like where I was supposed to take my time and and whatever little talent I've got. But I wanted to, I wanted to run a company. I wanted to be an entrepreneur in the worst sort of way, and. I got that opportunity, and it was actually the CEO of a staffing company who asked me to run his business, and, and I really thought he was uh, maybe mistaken me for someone else. I didn't have any background in staffing or HR, but uh, what we landed on was a common vision for what a world-class company looks like, and we both were talking about the Ritz-Carlton and how they built their culture, and I'd studied him in business school, and, and it turns out that was his favorite company, and so once we locked on a vision... I got into the people business and I've been in the people business now for about the last 20 years. At which we're all in the people business. If you're in business, you're in the people business, right? Great point. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Well, I want to get right into this concept of employee retention because it is a very, it's top of mind for employers. Uh, We've all heard now ad nauseum about the great resignation, quiet quitting, et cetera. So can, can you talk Travis a little bit about, um, I know you, you know, I've heard you talk before about growing people versus retaining them. Uh, so talk about what that means uh, to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I like simple ideas. And sometimes you take something that someone thinks they know and you just change one word, but it can be profound in how they behave. Um, a friend of mine here in Atlanta from Chick-fil-A, he said, the way you view things impacts the way you do things. And so if you view that, you've got this talent shortage and it's going to be pervasive, perhaps decades long. And you realize, wow, to achieve our growth, we've got to make sure that we don't lose people. Then one way you could view that is to tell your leaders, don't lose anybody. Make sure you're retaining your people. Mm -hmm. And what they will predictably do is maybe surprising, maybe unintentional, but they're going to try to lock people up, hold on to them, keep them from leaving, moving around on the team, Uh, probably try to pay them more because that's a quick lever for getting an immediate response. 
and actually not get what they really, really want. If they want to grow their organization, if they want to ensure that they're going to be viable and competitive and creating a ton of value over time, what you want is highly talented people who are fully engaged at work. So the only word I suggest changing is instead of focusing on retaining your people, make sure your leaders are focused on growing your people. And there are some other economic benefits to that. But one is you're actually more likely to retain them because if they find out that you are trying to hold on to them, I don't know what it is inside of us, but it's like if somebody grabbed you a hold of the shoulders, you know, you would immediately want to get away. Yeah. And I think we innately, we know, is somebody for us, are they trying to help us or are they trying to help themselves? And when you just focus on locking people up, they can get the, the feeling that, you know, you may actually not be looking out for my best interests. We talk a little bit too about maybe the economics of how that impacts the business differently too, if you're interested. Sure. Yeah. So when you focus on retention, um, often what leaders will do, especially very busy leaders, and most are, they're going to focus on what is the quickest lever I can pull that changes the, the odds of someone leaving. And if they look at any recently published studies in 2021, for example, the Pew Research that, that showed that the number one reason people left was for because of low pay, they may be inclined to think, okay, yep, we've got to add bonuses or increase pay. And it does change behavior mm-hmm. for a little bit. Uh, pay works very much like a drug that's fairly well documented. And so if I boost pay, I will change behavior for somewhere around six months. And then they're going to need another hit. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, I do remember you doing something with my comp last year, but let's talk about this year. Let's talk about the next six months. And so what you have is you have this jump in your cost structure that is long-term, but the retention benefit is short-term. It wears off quickly, but what doesn't wear off is the cost you've added to the structure of your business. And you almost never go back and actually reduce pay. Whereas if you focus on retention, try, but I don't think it would go over uh, real, real well. well, again, it works like a drug. So yeah. imagine taking away somebody's drug. They're going to get a little, they're going to get a little upset. A little angry, yep. But if you did say, okay, let's make sure, Jeff, your team is growing. And if that was your charge, you might have different conversations. I mean, for one thing, you'd actually have a conversation because you'd have to figure out, okay, how do I make sure my team is growing? Mm-hmm. you typically are going to do things that are good for the individual. They're also good for the business. And often growth doesn't cost that much. It might be some mentorship. It might be, Hey, you know, I'm going to buy you a book or, or we're going to have some interesting conversations or what about a stretch assignment or maybe some flexibility in uh, you know, in, in your schedule or something that gives you some room to do some growth activities. Everybody wins and it costs the business typically a lot less. What, what what happens, Travis, though, if you get to the point where within your organization, there's nowhere left to grow them to? Like you've run out right. of runway with that. Well, I I think that's kind of an interesting conversation. And, and, and I, I've yet to have one where I said, so what you're saying is there's no opportunity for growth for your business. You couldn't possibly grow the company. Well, no, of course we could grow the company, but I'm trying to grow a person. Well, yeah, but if you really believe that growing your people is is also part of growing the business, say, what is it that the company's doing? Where, where do you have growth opportunities? And could you have a conversation with your team member about exploring that? I mean, it doesn't have to mean changing their job entirely. 
It might be contributing on a committee. It might be brainstorming with the executive team. Those, there, I would say quite literally, there are infinite opportunities. So it, I think it's actually rare that you grow someone totally beyond your ability to employ them anymore. But if and when that were to happen, let's say maybe you just can't meet eye to eye and the person has grown a lot. They're very appreciative, but they're like, wow, my next thing is I want to run the company or I want to go do something, you know, that doesn't fit in your model. You celebrate. You celebrate that person transitioning into the next amazing career chapter or season of their life. And then you share that story with the candidates in the in the labor market, and you're going to find people lining up to work for you. Mm. Because if you said, I, I, the last person who worked in this position grew so much, they actually finally left the company. Yeah, and if your focus is retention, then that's not a win. Then then them leaving, you would not celebrate. It's it's a it's a retention loss. You failed. Yeah. Absolutely, you feel like a failure. They probably feel guilty. And then you have to go tell the the, the candidates like, yeah, we, we just weren't able to hold on to the last person mm. as opposed it's, to like we grew them. We grew them right out of here. And yeah. would you like to grow? Because that's what the last person did. Right. What a great recruiting tool. Um, yeah. Do, do you run into issues ever where, you know, people are afraid to grow people because I guess this would be a major insecurity on the part of a leader to think that, oh, well, if I grow them too much, they're going to they're going to take my spot. And 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 it could be a defensive play to not focus yeah. on someone else's growth. Right. Yeah. And I, and I do think that re- that would really require some I think some deep thought, you know, is <laughs> let's talk about that. You know, um, yeah. is there only a finite amount of work to be done? And if they were to get so good at it, you would really have no job. Right. Um it, it just doesn't play out that way. It might be a fear, but it'd be a great conversation. Well, it's it's better to think I would think that more of a succession planning tool that if you're if you're not growing your your people, then you have no succession plan really, uh, and also you have no confidence in your own growth. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but um, but. I think retention also plays into the idea of flexibility or, or vice versa, right? So there's growth, but w- how do you feel about flexibility coming into play when it comes to growing people? Is that is that could that be considered part of somebody's growth plan? Is to have more flexibility in their in their work life? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's what's so powerful about actually what what draws people to a leader is really simple. There are only a couple of things that people are looking for. One is they're looking to be seen as a as a human being. So they want to be cared for. Everyone wants to be cared for. And, and that was a lesson I borrowed all the way back to studying Ritz Carlton when I was in college. Uh, Horst Schultze, then the president and COO, he said some things years and years ago that I thought struck me as, wow, you can't say that. He said, all customers are the same. But one of his tenets was they all want to be cared for. And I think the same thing is true if I said, yeah, all employees are the same. They all want to be cared for. And so if you're having a conversation that says, hey, Jeff, um, you know, as we as we look ahead this year, is there anything I could be doing to help improve your life at work? In fact, not just one thing. Could you think of three things? And then let's get together and talk about it. And, and I like to suggest three things in part to 
to cause leaders to not freak out thinking if they ask that question, everybody's going to ask for more money. Well, ask for three things because one of them might be money. One of them might be a different job. And one of them might be something you could actually help them with. So ask for three things. And when they come to you, you're probably going to be surprised. One of them is probably structural. It's something you don't see. But there is something that they have to do in their job that is somehow not fitting their life. And it could be, would it be okay if I came in 15 minutes later? I would really like to put my kids on the bus. Yes, that would be okay. Um, Is there any way I could turn my desk and face a different wall? You're like, really? Yeah. I feel really nervous about having my back to the window. Yeah, let's do that. You know, it's just remarkable, but we just have to have the courage to ask. Yeah, it does seem like a like you could really open up a Pandora's box when you ask that question. But is the wording? It seems to me like the wording's super important here. Improve your. I think what you said is improve your life at work. Yes, I can't fix everything, but I might have some influence over what it's like when you're here. Right. And the truth is that does actually bleed into what it's like when they go home or if they're working from home or, you know, it's all connected. Yeah. But in other words, if you say if you just say make you happier. Oh, work, then then you could go down, which might not be a bad thing to ask, but then you could go down the path of, well, I'd be happier if I made more money or I'd be happier if I had that other job. But in, to me. When you when you use those words and improve your life at work, I think it it implies that it's something separate from money. If that really is money for somebody, they're like, yes, you could pay me fairly. Yeah. Wow. We need to have that conversation. Do you think I want to pay you unfairly? Well, I think that's what you're doing. Hmm. Wow. Okay. I, I did not realize that. Let's make sure that your compensation is fair. Because I tell you, like, even though pay isn't an extreme satisfier or an extreme dissatisfier, what pay reflects is worth talking about. Because what they may think is that you're not being fair. And you can't win an arms race on pay. Someone will pay more. Mm-hmm. But you can lose if you if someone thinks you're not being fair. And in and, and fairness and safety, like those, those are huge things at work that you want to have that conversation. If that's really their, one of their top things, let's talk about that. Mm. What's the most surprising answer to that question you've ever had? Well, I was most surprised the first time I ever tried it. So it was many years ago. I, I was a little nervous. I had no idea what the, the ask was going to be. And I did think it was going to be money or title. I, I, that was where my head was. And um, young lady I was working with, uh, she said, there is something, but I just feel like it's maybe too much to ask. And I'm like, well, uh, you never know until you ask. So what is it? And um, she said, could I get a different monitor? There was this long silence as I was like, that's the thing. Um, why? She said, it's too big. Well, I'd never heard of somebody having a too big monitor. So like we got her a huge monitor and she's like, it, it just takes up so much room on my desk. Could, is there any way if I could get a smaller monitor, that would just be amazing. And so anyway, I said I would think about it. And of course, that afternoon, hopped on Amazon. Uh, we were a small business back then. And, and a new monitor showed up the next day. And that night, she was still there an hour after she normally would have left to gone home. And she appears in my door. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? She said, I don't want to leave. I just thought something was wrong uh, at home or something. And I'm like, 
are, are you okay? She's like, yes, I just don't want to leave my monitor. So I went out there, we took a picture of her with it. Like, it's still going to be here in the morning. I think it's okay to leave and go home. <laughs> um, but it is, it, it is remarkable when you, when you just ask. And again, you find out there's something that you, maybe you just can't see from where you sit. That's, that's hard for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well now, yeah, that, that it's not surprising. That's the most um, interesting answer you've had to that was her number one thing. Yeah. It was the only thing she asked for. That was it. I asked her for three things. She asked for one and I got it for her. And uh, the thing, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Wow. Recently, you were quoted in a uh, in a blog, a one digital blog, and the uh, the topic was twenty three tips for employers for twenty twenty three. And I'm going to read that quote, and then I want your your reaction and thoughts on it. So, quote: For or from. Much of leadership success rests on continually asking one simple question. What would I do next if I wanted more for our people than from them? Whatever comes to mind, do that, end quote. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I wish I had thought of it. I don't know where uh, it originally came from. I heard about it from an executive here in Atlanta. And it was so powerful because it resonated with me back to the simple truth that people just want to feel cared for. And I think our, de our, our detector of selfishness is very powerful. I can tell if you are trying to manipulate me, at least at some point, it's going to like, I'm going to realize you're actually for you. And even when you praise me, it's maybe about you. But if, if you're actually for me, um, again, behavior changes. Uh, if I really believe you're for me, I can take so much more feedback from you. And ultimately, I, I think it just, it speaks to the essence of great leadership because it's speaking to the thing that matters most. Um, I recently shared with our leaders a, a, a study from FMI and, and they had looked at eight leadership competencies and said there are two that are responsible for almost 80% of a leader's ability to get things done in an organization, just two. And yet when we shared it with a group, nobody could spot the two. And they were being inwardly sound and others focused. And I think those two are so powerful because what people really want is they want to know you're focused on them. You're for them. But in order to do it, you have to be for yourself. You do have to take care of yourself. You've got to be inwardly sound. And so it, it's like, how do we simplify all the things a leader could do? And sometimes they're thinking like, gosh, I got to get better at project planning. Gosh, I got to be more strategic. I, I really need to create higher accountability or maybe my analytical skills aren't quite up to where they could be. Yeah, but do people know that you're for them? Because that matters a whole lot more than any of those other things. Yeah. It's another example of changing one word. And it's that's a great example though. How huge is that? Is that what they is that what they mean, Travis, by servant leadership? Well, servant leadership is its own body of work. You know, it's a very specific model. Mm -hmm. But I do think at the heart of it, it speaks to um servant leadership. You know, like some people. Yeah, like some, some people interpret, you know, servant leadership is about, you know, this desire in us to serve others. Um, and if we can tap that, 
by using a single word, yeah, you're 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 much more likely to be effective. Um, there's a there's another book that one of our teams is reading right now that I think is so fantastic. I've I've been through it over and over and over again. I plan to read it over and over again in the future. It's called Leadership and Self Deception uh, from the Arbinger Institute. But they're like, if you can just figure out how to hack your own desire to please and justify yourself and just step outside yourself for a second and see the other person as they really are, which is probably a person who's trying to be successful. You just don't meet very many people that go to work trying to do harm and figure out how can I help them? Mm -hmm. You're going to be so much more effective as a leader. The organization is going to be so much more effective yet. We have, you know, we've got a built, we got built in software that's running all the time that is only concerned about one thing. And that's making sure, making sure that I'm still the hero in this story. Hmm. And it's constantly turning every situation into a place for me to be safe or me to be successful or me to be right. And that's why I think we have to be really conscious to try to turn that software off, press pause. And just say, if I was really for this person, what would I do? Honestly, another word that comes to mind, Jeff, is love. And you could talk about this with a, a spouse, a partner, a best friend, or a child, or you could talk about it at work. It's like, are you loving that other person? Not are you in love with them? Not are you feeling the love? But are you doing the verb part? And that's where I think really leading people and serving them and loving them is all very consistent. You mentioned before being seen that the people want two things. You said being seen and and cared for. Was that were those the two things, or was seen and uh, cared for the two, or did we get to the second? That's one. Yeah. Okay. No, you're you're absolutely right. Thanks. I I, I blew past that. Um, yeah. Being cared for as a person and being set up to succeed. Okay. And so people want to be successful and they want to feel cared for, and it. A seed comes to mind as like the example, like a seed wants to grow. You have to water it. It wants to grow. It just can't on its own. It just doesn't burst out in the bag or in the box. Mm -hmm. um, and so you got to create those, just create the right conditions. The seed will grow. Yeah, different kind of seeds need different amounts of water and different frequency of water. Like it's not a one size fits all proposition, right? Right. Yeah, well, that's another great point. You know, that's why leadership is hard. It's simple, but it's hard because what somebody needs from you is not only specific to the person, it's even specific to the task. So I may be tempted to treat this person the same way every time because I think I know what they need. I think I know where they're going. And that's where another whole discipline of leadership called situational leadership comes from. It's like, no. It's not about you, leader. It's about what does that person need in this situation? Mm -hmm. And are they ready and able to take on something themselves? Or do they need some more support or direction from you? Yeah. And uh, that's that's another great point. Because it, it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the what it is they're trying to tackle. If somebody wants um, um, to be set up for success, the opposite of that is to put someone in a position that they're really not ready for or, or, or qualified for, right? Can't you do a lot of harm if you set somebody up, if what people really want is to be seen and cared for and then to be set up for success, and then you put them into, into a role that there's no way they're going to succeed at, that does a lot of harm, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
but but there's some nuances there that are really important because being situated for success does not mean having everything given to you. Mm. And so if you said, well, then I should never put them in a position where they're not uh, ready. Oh, no, 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 no. But actually getting outside your comfort zone is part of helping somebody be successful. It's it's abdicating your responsibility entirely and just shoving them out into something they're not equipped to do. They, they don't want to, they don't know how, and you just maybe even as a bit of a compliment, be like, oh, I know you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if you put them in an extremely unsafe place, yeah, don't be surprised when they walk. Uh, you mentioned the word love before, which is, I, I don't know, I guess, you know, I've been in business for more years than I'd, I'd like to admit and uh, it doesn't seem like not that long ago you would never hear a leader in corporate America even use the word love. And you and I have both heard, I'm sure, our CEO One Digital talk about leading with heart and and, and winning with hustle. We'll, we might talk about heart and hustle a little bit later here, but good leadership is really about. It goes back to caring for people and to the point of actually maybe even loving them. Right. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, the Greeks were a little more sophisticated in how they talked about love than we are. We have one word, they had multiple words. And so, you know, they had a specific word that meant like the unconditional, altruistic caring of another human, just because they're a human. And it, and it's not affectionate. It's not, you know, so whether it was, I think it was phylos is like the brotherly love. This was agape love. It's like agape is caring for somebody they they don't deserve it it's not based on something they did it's not based on something you're going to get back it's just that's a human and you need to pour into them they're worth it and and just because they are and so that's the kind of thing that sometimes i think gets people wrapped around the axle is thinking you know love is squishy love is soft i certainly don't want love to come off as inappropriate and that's not what we're talking about we're like you know uh, yeah really yeah fully unselfishly caring for them and it's really hard to go wrong with that yeah if you're if you're really if you truly change your mindset to you know wanting something for the people that you're working with um it really opens you up to being curious about what what makes them tick doesn't it and then and that gets to the sort of how everyone's a little bit different and you know that that watering of the seed is different for everybody and so just that one word change really opens you up to 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 learning more about them and then i get to the word listening so isn't isn't listen because i think a lot of people who get into leadership positions think they have to just talk a lot and where what they really need to do is listen more. Don't you agree? I do. We judge based on our own perspective, so many things that we see and experience in life and we're, we're often wrong. Mm. And the, you know, the best anecdote for thinking, you know, something is to ask and listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we teach that in talent selection. Um, I, I sometimes jokingly will ask people how many minutes into the interview before you think, you know, if this is the person and most people say between one and five minutes, but the studies show it's less than a second. Just crazy how we think we know the answer. And I think with leaders who have been very successful, they're, they're smart, they're high achieving, they're hardworking. They want to, they often want to fix things. 
is they just lead with their own perspective as opposed to asking. And that's what you'll interestingly find out is some people, they're not looking for a promotion. They're not looking for your job. Many times they don't know what they're looking for. So that's another whole thing that you could really do as a leader is help somebody figure out who they are and why they're here and then help them on that path to being their best self. But you just can't assume it's the same as you. Yeah. Let's shift a little bit here. And I'm curious about your thoughts, Travis, on on the future of human resources. I'd put that in air quotes, human resources, and, and even that as being a, a, a viable department in large organizations going forward. Well, and that's where I would defer to my human resources um, colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, when I said that, as I reveal my background, it's like, oh, I I'm not qualified to work in HR. Um, That's why I work in talent. But the truth is, I I think it was really impressed upon me in my very first company out of college. We didn't have human resources. Um, It was a group of former Anderson Consulting Partners that started this uh, IT startup in Texas. And they said, um, you know, we believe that people are people, not resources. And so they banned the use of the term. Mm. And so we had a, a department called People Services, but it made a real impression upon me. And, and most companies I've been in, uh, we either haven't had an HR department or I haven't always embraced that term, but I've come to, like, I've really come to appreciate there is just extreme value in every aspect of HR but I think the one that is evolving is, is really the strategic advice or counsel on how do you elevate the engagement of people. And yes, you also need to be compliant with the law. And yes, you also need to make sure that your benefits are competitive and you need, you know, there's a lot to HR. Uh, got to make sure our compensation is fair. We've got to do all the things. Mm-hmm. But I think to the extent that there uh, COVID and great resignation, the demographic drought, all of these are really elevating the role of HR in any organization to be seen as strategic. Like we really can't achieve our objectives if we don't understand how to attract and ultimately retain and engage uh, the people that are going to make it happen. And you said it earlier, Jeff, we're all in the people business. So that's where I see the, the future of HR is just getting better and better and better at helping our leaders, you know, navigate, develop their strategy and figure out how how do we execute effectively? Yeah. If we do that, maybe maybe the word, it's the resource, not the the human that's problematic. Right. And if we really get better at it, that's the word. If you think about it, I've got an issue or I've got something's on my mind and I'm going to human resources. That implies that, well, I'm working, I'm a resource for you it's the opposite of the 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 four versus uh, from um, right. conversation, right? And and if it's if it's human or people services or support or development or anything other than resource, I think you're right. I think we'll get to a point where that where where it's that that word is out of the picture. I I, I do think that could happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's not. Yeah. You know, uh, it's probably not right away, but. It's just as you continue to elevate, eventually, yeah, you see people as more than a resource. And I, you know, I think that's happening in our company. It has been for years is seeing people as people 
And the, the engagement of really talented people is, is an incredible strategic weapon. It is, it is not the output of a successful business. It's the driver of our growth. And I hear people sometimes say, like, wow, I can't believe your company still has a good culture given all your growth. And it's like, oh, I don't know if you understand how culture works. But when you have a really great culture, it drives growth. And there are a lot of things for a leader to do. And, and thinking through the people implications of every one of those things is not always their first inclination. It's not always where they're from or what their background is. So uh, I think that's where an HR partner can be really essential for them. Yeah, I, we've, we've kind of come full circle because if you want a growth culture, then growing your people is the natural way to do it. And that's kind of right back to the beginning of our conversation. And and so if you're if you're growing people, you have to be people focused. Right. Yeah. And and that's something, you know, Jeff, we sometimes talk about here is saying, you know, can we be high performance and people focused or people first? Um, isn't there just one thing that's first? And and that's where I, I like to just draw it as a little two by two matrix, you know low to high people and performance. And you realize that upper right quadrant is a really magical place that draws highly competitive, high achieving, caring people because mm. they're high, you know, people first and high performance. And it is very virtuous quadrant to get into. Um, when you try to live in the other quadrants, either you get apathy or you drive away the high performers. Um, or, or you get a place that just, you know, it, it's just all performance all the time. And, and actually, that's really where you talk about people's resources is they cease to have value if they're not performing. And um, yeah, I think, you, unfortunately, your focus on performance can actually kill the performance. Yeah, well, but what's interesting about that, in my mind, what I heard was that you can be um, high performance and hardworking and still be a good human being and be caring. So I think a lot of people kind of get this idea that, well, you know, it's either a hardworking culture or a caring culture. It can't be both. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's where just play that out. Let's say you have a hardworking culture. And so I think about uh, a gentleman I worked for years ago and he made the comment that nobody in our company really understood what it meant to work hard. Hmm. He wanted to raise the game of the company by having people learn to work harder. And I said, you know, can you, what do you mean? Can you give me an example? And he said, well, you know, I grew up in investment banking, he said, and, you know, I didn't take a day off for the first seven years of my career. Um, I never worked less than a 50 hour a week. And then, you know, I said, but is that what you would advise your kids to do? And he kind of chuckled and, and he sort, sort of uncomfortably said, well, no, probably not. That's probably why I don't see my kids. They, they live on another continent and, um, their mom hates my guts. I'm like, wow, that's rough. I mean, and that's what you want our people to experience? I mean, really? Um, well, sometimes jokes like, e even if you only cared about performance, that's it. You actually don't care about people at all. What would you do? Would you want to do performance strategies that really work? And what you're going to find out is there is a people dimension to those strategies. You're going to want to make sure your people are sleeping, exercising, they've got powerful relationships. This, the clearer they are in their own values and their own identity, the more they commit to their work. That's what's sort of ironic 
is actually when you really focus on what drives sustainable high performance in any sort of group of people, you end up focusing on the people. Now, the flip side is if we said we just want to, we, we don't really want to talk about performance ever. We just want to make sure that people are happy. Well, that's what's so interesting is happy is super elusive. As humans, we're terrible at it. If we're not working hard and achieving something that matters, sustainable happiness is really tough. And I think that's what makes retirement so hard for some people. It's like they think they're going to just pour themselves into their hobby, but, it, but actually achievement and contribution actually drive happiness. So anyway, I, I do think there's a little magic there is, is you have to kind of play it out, but say like what really drives performance and what really drives happiness? Performance and focusing on people are going to be part of that equation and uh, they end up in the same quadrant. That might be a great way to, to end this, although we don't let anyone go without asking some rapid fire questions. We need to get to know you personally a little better, if that's all right. Sure, Jeff. What you got? We, we are, after all, people oriented here. So, uh, okay, you ready? Sure. First thing that comes to mind, tea or coffee? Uh, coffee, please, with lots of cream and sugar in it. Favorite food? Pizza. All Last kinds, time. any shape, any thickness, just pizza. Uh, I might know the answer to this question because it's the day after Super Bowl Sunday. But last thing you watched on TV? Oh, you got it. It was a fantastic game, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I hopefully that doesn't make this podcast irrelevant uh, in a few months. But the last night's game was fantastic, really yeah. great. And and uh, so before the Super Bowl, what was the last thing you watched on TV? I, I am an HGTV junkie. I'm a building off the grid kind of junkie. I oh, think yeah. in some weird way i hope someday i get stranded and can build a whole island or something but uh anyway that's i'm sure your that's your that. mechanical engineer uh mind at work there you go yeah maybe there's some rationale there yeah uh very first job i mowed yards i started a lawn mowing business and i tell you it took an interesting turn in a down economy i started working with real estate agents and the houses sat longer and longer and longer and I made a killing. I, I ended up mowing yards like crazy because they wouldn't sell. And um, that that gave me the money to buy my first car and and um, and go off to college with some money in my pocket. Awesome. Uh, finally, Travis, as you know, uh, this year, our theme at One Digital is heart and hustle. And I referenced it a little bit earlier. So how do you plan to lead with heart this year? Well, and I think that aligns so beautifully to this idea of people first and high performance. We've got to lean in with heart. It touches on everything we talked about today, Jeff. So like one of the things was recently right before the the end of the quarter was asking each of the leaders on, on our team, uh, you know, I want you to think about three things I could do to improve your life at work. And so we're starting to work on some of those things. Um, and whether I'm listening to this podcast replay or, or I just have to, like, I should have it tattooed on my hands, like for, not from some of it is just continue to reset your mind and make sure you're really listening that, that you're really there for your people. So I think that's a big part. The other thing that I'm doing is, is um, it's hard to stay intentional. And so it's a total offshoot, another conversation for another day, but but for a number of years, I focused on behavior change and gamifying behavior. And one of the things I learned is people have a really hard time sustaining hard behaviors. And so 
I implemented something called a personally personal quarterly offsite or PQO. And um, I'm encouraging more of our team members to do that is at the end of each quarter, take a half day or a full day and go really lean into you mm. and, and really keep peeling that onion. You, you got to come back to work with your own reason, not mine, not the company's. Um, why are you here? And anyway, I've got to do that myself. I love that idea. And I think I'll do it too. Awesome. I encourage, encourage my team to do it. But, but what about the other part of that? How are you going to win? You know, so we lead with heart, we win with hustle. How are you going to win with hustle this year? Well, so that's the other part of that quarterly performance challenge. We're calling it a best work, best life challenge. And so I challenge uh, anybody who wants to do it to join me. Um, we have a small accountability group and you identify uh, three to five behaviors you're going to consistently do that push the needle at work. And then three to five behaviors you're going to consistently do that make sure that you are fully recovering and doing more of your best life. And so um, a big part of that is holding myself accountable for just pushing on those things. And it's, it's, uh, it's just a high performance approach to living and working. And um, anyway, so I, I track that every week and Last week, I just got my best best score out of 100 points for the week. I got a 102 on the personal side and a, uh, a 90 on my work stuff. And I want to get that 90 up a little higher. Well, Travis, thank you so much. Uh, I, I I love it when uh, when I get to spend time with you and you've got such great ideas about how to uh, how to how to drive a high performance organization, but do it with with heart, as we talked about. So appreciate your time. Thank you to everyone who's tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Mm -hmm.